Martin Luther once wrote the words, pray and let God worry. Pray and let God do the worrying. He actually wrote that in a letter to his wife, and those are the very words that I offer to you this morning, to pray and let God worry. I think those are words we need to hear in these uncertain times. At the same time, I'll admit I've never really been fond of just tossing out easy cliches like that or just speaking simplistic pietudes uh, in the middle of crises like this. I think, I think you all deserve better than that, at least for me. So, in addition to offering the words, pray and let God worry, I'd like to unpack what that means with you this morning. What does it mean to trust in God in moments of uncertainty like these? You know, there are many faithful Christians, many faithful people who believe that trusting in God means praying and expecting that things will dramatically and suddenly improve overnight. You know, there are folks who believe that trusting in God means that tomorrow we will wake up and the virus will be eradicated and the economy will bounce back and and everything in our life will turn back to normal. Is that what it means to trust in God? Is it okay? It's okay to pray for that, and it's, it's even, uh, in many ways, appropriate to hope for that. But is, is that all that trusting in God means? What if trusting in God means so much more than that? I think that's the compelling question that Solomon is posing for us in the Scripture lesson that Jess Johnson just read for us. My hope is that by the end of this sermon, we will have a deeper and richer and fuller understanding of what it means to pray and let God worry and to trust in God. You know, as far as biblical characters go, Solomon is one of the most complicated characters in the entire Bible. I mean, at the very beginning of his life, things were going very well at the start of his reign over Israel after he followed his father David. But things didn't end up that way for Solomon because he wound up doing so many things wrong. At the start of Solomon's story, we, we heard it moments ago, God asked a question of Solomon. Solomon, just tell me the one thing that you want. I will give you the one thing that you ask for right now. And by the way, God came to Solomon and asked him that question in the middle of a dream. And I kind of find that interesting. I actually find that very relevant because if Solomon is anything like you and me, the very things that Solomon was wrestling with during the day probably the very same things he was wrestling over at night in the middle of that dream. Because after all, just think about all the things that were burdening Solomon in that moment. First of all, there was the grief. His father had just died. And then there was all sorts of worry, because in the wake of his father's death, there was all sorts of personal drama and political backstabbing as people were trying to vie for the throne. And on top of all that was the the burden of leading this country. And what a burden that had to be on him. He had a lot wrestling during the day, and certainly his nighttime dreams were filled with lots of anxiety, just as yours are. I would not be surprised 
if your daylight struggles and your nighttime dreams have been filled with worries about your personal financial situation or the state of the economy or the health of your loved ones or how your children are going to stay on track in their education. Or maybe you're feeling grief over plans that you've had to cancel, vacations and trips that you really were looking forward to. I would say that all of those worries are as true for you as they are true for me, as they probably were as true for Solomon, wrestling during the day and wrestling during his dreams at night. So what if God were to come to you tonight in the midst of a dream, in the midst of your tossing of your sheets and rolling around in bed and say to you tonight, hello, my child, I will grant you one desire. What is it that you want me to do for you? Would you ask for your problems to go away? Would you ask for the economy to bounce back? Would you ask for a miracle cure for this virus in the middle of the night? Would you ask for everything to go back to normal? Is that what it means to trust in God? As it turns out, Solomon didn't ask for any of those things. He asked for something deeper and richer and even more meaningful for the long haul. Solomon asked for wisdom. He asked for an understanding heart to lead God's people, to know the difference between right and wrong, to know the difference between good and evil. And here's why that's important for you and me. Because Solomon realized in that moment that the meaning of a life that is well-lived is not just based on the huge moments, the headlining events. The meaning of a life well-lived is not just based on the big ups and the big downs, not the glories and the crises. A life well-lived is defined by what we do in the daily moments, in the small decisions, in the subtle little opportunities for us to act and respond and think and feel. Solomon wasn't asking for knowledge. He wasn't asking for book smarts. He wasn't asking for intellect. He really wanted to know how to live well. Not just things when things were going great or when things were going badly, but every kind of moment in between. Because he was asking for an ability to know the difference between living the good and moral and calm and peaceful and hopeful life or veering toward the chaos of a fear-filled, harmful, futile kind of life. And he recognized that regardless of whatever was happening out in the world, regardless of whatever the pandemics were or the economic downturns were, when it all comes down to it, you and I have the gift, a gift of choice, the ability to choose how we will respond and how we will act, and how we will think and feel, whether we stay the course of goodness and calm and peace and centeredness, or whether we will veer and stumble into a path of chaos and greed and panic and paralyzing fear, the difference between good and evil. For Solomon, that was at the heart of wisdom. That is what it meant for him to trust in God, to know the difference between living the good life and in any given moment, 
to avoid living the harmful life. That's what he was asking for. Now, how did he do with that? (laughs) Well, um, there were three rules that Solomon had to follow, only three rules that every king of Israel was supposed to heed. We read them earlier this year in the Bible Project back in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 17, 15 to 17, the three rules that kings had to follow. This is what Deuteronomy says. You can indeed appoint over you a king that the Lord your God selects, that granted the king must not acquire too many horses, and he must not return the people to Egypt in order to acquire more horses, because the Lord told you, you will never go back by that road again. The king must not take numerous wives so that his heart doesn't go astray, nor can the king acquire too much silver and gold. So there you are. Those were the three rules that Solomon and every king were supposed to follow. You can't have too many horses, you can't have too many wives, and you can't have too much silver and gold. You got it? Those are odd rules, to be sure. But here's why they were important. Horses, first of all, horses back then were a sign of freedom and power and control the ability for you to do what you want, when you want, as your heart pleased. And those can be good things. All of us have that gift, by the way. God has given all of us our our own power and our own ability to control our, our behavior. Those are gifts that each one of us have. But if you have too many horses, just as Solomon did, then that, that sense of freedom and control can turn into pride. And that's what happened to Solomon. Second, wives. Uh, Wives, back then, represented fertility and abundance and the ability to provide for your own needs and even to to build an empire with trade relations with, with other countries. The ability to provide for our needs is also a gift. It's a gift that we can give thanks to God for each and every day. But if you go too far with that, as Solomon did, then you begin to believe in self-reliance over God-reliance. And that's basically the same thing as idolatry. And that's what Solomon fell for. Finally, gold and silver. Obviously, gold and silver represented wealth. And there is nothing inherently wrong with wealth and money. Those, are, those can be good things, a gift from God. But if you desire too much of it, as Solomon did, then that's just one easy step away from greed. And when greed is mixed with fear, it can lead to panic. And panic can then lead to hoarding. And hoarding can then lead to harm. Solomon asked for wisdom. And according to Proverbs, a book that is often attributed to him, there is one key to the wise life. It is trusting in God. Proverbs says the fear of the Lord or the trust of God is the beginning of that wisdom. And that means having an understanding heart to know the difference between good and evil, 
so that we can choose to live in security and hope and love for each other rather than panic and hoarding and paralyzing anxiety and pride. Here's what I'd like for you to remember. God is giving you everything you need already to make it through these unstable days. You have enough horses. You have more control than you think you do right now. That's what God has given you. And there are people in your life who love you and support you no matter how crazy things get. You are not alone. And you have all the provisions you need to go one step at a time. You do not need to panic. You do not need to hoard. All we need is the wisdom to stay centered and focused and peaceful rather than being prideful or self-reliant or greedy. That is what it means to trust in God. Ultimately, here is what I think it means to trust in God during these unsettling times. What I'd like to do to close this sermon is just to offer for you three very simple affirmations that are universally true throughout the Bible and constantly true regardless of what is happening in our lives. I hope that you'll remember these three phrases. I've offered them in my Facebook posts earlier in the week, and I've said them in my pastor's devotion yesterday. Please do remember these, these three affirmations. Number one, do not be afraid. Number two, you are loved. Remember, you are loved. And number three, all of this is temporary. Do not be afraid. Remember you are loved. All of this is temporary. First of all, don't be afraid. You know, uh, fear is a natural response. And it's important to feel fear in certain times, in certain measures. It's, it's, our, it's our early warning system. It causes us to be, to be cautious. There's nothing inherently wrong with fear. But when fear goes out of control... And when it turns to panic and paralyzing anxiety, that is not the kind of life that God wants us to live. Paul says it very clearly to Timothy. God has not given us that spirit of fear. And so regardless of what is happening in the world, yes, it's okay to be cautious. Yes, it's important to be diligent. Yes, it's important to follow all of the advice and guidelines that the authorities are giving us about social distancing and staying safe. That's all important. But there is no place in Christian character for paralyzing anxiety. Don't be afraid. And if you want some guidance on how to not be afraid, then remember affirmation number two and number three. You are not alone. You are not alone. Even if you feel like you are isolated, there are people who love you, who care for you, who support you. And God has created a community like this, as digital as we are right now, to remind us that no person is alone. In fact, this week... Over the next few days, can you do one thing, just, just one thing for us as a community? Take a picture of yourself. Take a picture of yourself and your loved ones there in your home or outside and just post it on social media to let us know um, how you're doing and put two important hashtags on it, all right? One hashtag that says Hyde Park UMC and hashtag flatten the curve. And here's what that's going to do. 
It's going to create for us as a church community and for all of us who are watching this broadcast a veritable virtual gallery of connection. We'll be able to pray for each other by face and by name. And we'll be able to be a witness to the world with that hashtag flatten the curve that the church is the hope of the world and the beacon of love and calm and peace. And if you can do that sometime today or in days to come, we may even find a way to integrate them into worship next Sunday. That'll be a great way for you to claim right now that you are loved and there are people in this community who love you. But the third and final affirmation is really important to remember. This one's probably the easiest one to forget. But let's remember this. All of this is temporary. The book of Ecclesiastes is often attributed to Solomon, sort of written with that kind of wisdom that's attributed to to Solomon's mind. And in that book of Ecclesiastes, it says everything is a breath. Nothing is permanent. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, including this situation. There is nothing permanent about this. To everything there is a season, Ecclesiastes 3 says, which means that there will be a day when the economy will bounce back and you will be back on stable financial footing. And there will be a day when this virus is eradicated, and there will be a day when we will be able to go outside and be with people as we please, and there will be a day when we will all be back in this space or in any of our other worship spaces, physically uniting in worship with God, and there will be a day when we can gather and dance and cheer and celebrate with people in physical proximity to one another. There will be a day. All of this is temporary, and you can stake your claim on that. If you can remember not to be afraid, remember that you're loved, remember that all of this is temporary, then indeed you will have a wise and discerning heart to know the difference between good and evil and to live the kind of life that God wants you to live. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the wisdom of Solomon. May the desire of his heart echo the desire of ours. Help us, O Lord, in these uncertain days to live at peace and not in chaos, to live with courage and not fear, to live with a sense of community and not isolation so that we might know the difference between good and evil. And that that might be the way we truly pray and let you worry and trust in you in all things. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and let all God's people say or type right now, amen.